All right. All right. Welcome back. Episode four. Episode four. Episode four of Second, Second Chance, Chance Cinema. Cinema. Yes. Yes. All right. Yeah, this is the show where uh, every episode we uh, break down a film that maybe had uh, some mixed reviews, a bad reputation, maybe a cult following. Right. Or just generally misunderstood, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. Um, and um, we watch it, and then we talk about it, and uh, okay. we decide hey, does this deserve all the hate that it got? Or maybe is there um, some gems here? Is there something to like about it? Yes. Is it, is it truly a misunderstood gem or does it belong in the bin? <laughs> um, and I, most of them, I think, don't belong in the bin I that agree. we've watched so far. Yeah. Um, I, 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 and none of the ones we've watched so far belong in the bin. And just the amount of work that goes into creating any of these is amazing. Yeah. And the fact that any are made is amazing. Right, so, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, this this week, a um, little bit. I'd say maybe a palate cleanser from last mm. week. We had we had the last Jedi last right. last time, and that was a that was a doozy. Yes. Um. So, um, little bit of a I guess lesser known. Yes. Film. So this this episode's film is The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yes. Dun, dun. All right. So, um, of course, as always, I've got the IMDb pulled up here. Right. Um, to read the, the little description they've got here. In an alternate Victorian age world, a group of famous contemporary fantasy, science fiction, and adventure characters team up on a secret mission. Right. So, very interesting premise. It's IMDb rating is 5.8 out mm. of 10, which mm. I believe is the lowest we've had so far. Yeah. It's got, um, I pulled up the Rotten Tomatoes for this, <laughs> for this movie as well. Yep. It's got a 17% tomato meter. That's wow. Which is, I believe the the critic score. That's uh, like actu- yeah. actual critics have oh, wow. reviewed okay. it. Okay. So 17% of critics who reviewed oh, no. it liked it. And it's got a 44% audience score. Okay. So audiences liked it better than critics, but they also Generally did not like it. Generally not well <laughs> so, received. Yep. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, League of Extraordinary, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen mm-hmm. from 2003 starring Sean Connery, mm-hmm. um, probably the biggest biggest name in this one. Yes. Um, yeah, let's let's get into it. Let's. Per, per, I'll pull up some user reviews first okay. to hear from IMDb. Um Wow, actually, the first uh, the first couple reviews here are eight and sevens out of ten. Well, that's not bad. Yeah, I'm I'm very surprised by this. I'm trying to find a lower seven out of ten, seven out of ten, ten out of ten. Oh wow. Uh, a six, which is wow. Wow, here I was thought we'd uh, read the absolute uh, drivel that people have written about right, it, but right. a lot of people uh, maybe liked it, or maybe that's just because IMDb pushes good reviews to the top who knows I, I don't know but it's it's nice to hear that the film has some defenders in spite of its yeah. numbers yeah but uh the the people over on uh Rotten Tomatoes I think thought differently especially the critics mm-hmm. um critics consensus says on on Rotten Tomatoes just ordinary LXG is a great premise ruined by poor execution Ooh. um I'll pull up some critic reviews appallingly stupid and incompetently made. Okay, there we go. Oh, there it is. Yeah. That's, that's what we are looking for. That's the kind of schlock, yes, that we're looking for. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um 
yeah if you if you want the if you want the true um true uh response here yeah then go go to uh rotten tomatoes okay there, there's some pretty pretty strong strong, strong. on that one <laughs> maybe okay. we'll have to we'll have to switch over to rotten tomatoes reviews versus imdb maybe maybe yeah <laughs> they're they you get what you really think <laughs> um okay so yeah let's uh let's get into it then okay um yeah we watched this film uh do you have any uh preliminary thoughts I'll kick, uh kick you know what you. I think I'm probably here more for comic relief on this one because I really had trouble figuring out what was going on in it. I really did. Okay. Like I understand the premise. Right. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm not the one with the, with the prowess in the, in sort of the comic superhero world. Not that this is, this isn't Marvel, but like, right. You know, there's definitely all of these characters were pulled from other stories and right. then put together. Yes. Um, and I, I really did have a little bit of trouble with it and I had trouble with some of the logic problems with the story but that said um i thought that a lot of the uh the effects were pretty beautiful i thought the what the uh oh the name of the sub the nautilus yes the nautilus thank you i thought that was quite extraordinary and would have had i seen it in a theater been uh it would have had a very high strong impact on me just seeing the size of that thing yes yeah yeah, I so, thought. Yeah, speaking of special effects, yeah. I actually thought the Invisible Man. Oh yeah, uh, special effects were. I agree. Very good, especially yes. for two thousand three. Yes. Very very good. Yes. Whereas the Nautilus, I thought was just okay compared to the Invisible Man stuff. Right. Yeah. The Nautilus was just okay, especially when they're like going up these like canals in Venice, yep. and you're able to fit this like kilometer oh, yeah. long sub. I'm like, maybe okay, yeah. Um, but you know, you kind of. With all the other fantastical stuff, right? I can kind of suspend my disbelief for I, that. Yes, and my my issue with that is that when that was happening, I was aware that I was thinking exactly what you just said, right? And you don't, you know, necessarily want to be. And you know, that's kind of. I think we talked about this with Sucker Punch as well. Was mm-hmm. you just kind of kind of roll with it or yes. not? Like that's right. You're either going to suspend your disbelief or not. Or like, not. Yeah. There's. I don't think there's any moment that was like. So much more fantastical than anything we'd seen previously in the movie right. that made me that took me out of it. I agree. Like if yeah. you if you're gonna roll with okay, it's alternate Victorian era mm-hmm. steampunk. You yep. know, you've got machine guns pre World War One. Right. Like right off the bat in the opening scene, you've yes. got the tank and the the machine guns and everything. Yeah. So if you're able to just roll with that and be like, okay, this is alternate. This is yeah. not real anachronistic stuff. Right. Then you and and also like you've got Invisible Man and vampires and stuff exactly. Um, so and yeah, and it's not like the movie was inconsistent with that. It, it told you exactly what this world was going to be in right. the first three minutes, and yeah. that's that's what you want. Yeah. So and speaking of the first three minutes, I mm-hmm. thought the the opening was probably the strongest part mm-hmm. of the movie, where you've got tension yep. right off the bat. Yep, great stuff. Um, and it shows you kind of the the world of the film. You got Victorian area, but there's tanks and mechanized things. Yeah. It's you know the pre World War One kind of agitation, yep. arms arms proliferation thing, yep. um, and a lot practical. A lot mm-hmm. of pra- the tank looked real, looked practical. Yep, it didn't even look like a miniature. It looked like a, a real tank that really drove through a building. Yeah, it um, did. <laughs> it did. So I like that, and a, a lot of the stuff I think was practical. A lot of sets looked mm-hmm. looked real and practical yeah we just talked about the special effects but right um yeah like the sets 
inside the Nautilus, I think, mm-hmm. were practically. So that was really good. Yeah. Props to, you know, the set designer and the. Yeah, the, all of that our, stuff our, was gorgeous. Yeah. and everything. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, well done. Really nice to, to watch. I think for a, a younger audience, maybe than I was expecting when I went into it. Yeah. I think though, this was like, I was found myself thinking several times, this is the kind of movie I would have absolutely loved when I was like 12. Right. You know? And I yeah. think that was probably about the age when I saw this the first time. Okay. I, I'd seen, I know I'd seen this once before. Yeah. Um, a long time ago. Yeah. And it was before I like knew mm-hmm. any of the characters that were in it. Yeah. So you mentioned, um, before like not being up on the comic right. stuff. So right. Yeah. These are of course, uh, characters from famous novels. Most yes. of them you've got, yeah. um, Dorian Gray from yep. the picture of Dorian Gray. Mm-hmm. Of course, when I first watch it, had no idea who that was who that or, was, right. you right. know, that, that story. Yeah. Um, didn't know I'd heard the name Tom Sawyer before because mm-hmm. who hasn't. Right. But didn't hadn't read any Mark Twain. Okay. And and this I mean this iteration of Tom Sawyer is not no not close to the original. Um but I, and so yeah, I I wasn't aware of Yeah. The, and I believe the Nautilus is from Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Yeah. That I think I so. know that name. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, Captain Nemo and all that. Yeah, yeah. But so this this movie I believe is actually based is based on a graphic novel of the same That's name. That's my understanding, uh, yeah. By Alan Moore. <laughs> yes. and Very fan. Yeah. I, I found, <laughs> this is kind of a side tangent, yeah. I found that any time it says the movie is based on a graphic novel versus yes. a comic book, uh-huh. it's always Alan Moore. <laughs> It's no, always, oh, is it? <laughs> no, one ever, no one ever calls Alan Moore stuff a comic book. Okay, it's right always then. a graphic it's a graphic novel. novel. Okay. But really, there's there's almost no difference. Yeah. <laughs> Except he did write the Killing Joke, which is an actual comic book run. Oh, um, okay. But yeah, that well, side tangent. Yeah, this well, is not about Alan yeah. Moore. Well, since we're on a side tangent though, but this does bring us back to the film. There were some really nice touches, and I'm sure that I missed most of them just being unfamiliar with all of that. Mm-hmm. There, when they went to meet, I believe it was Dorian Gray, uh, in the alley as they arrived, just in the just in the background in the scenery, there was actually a poster there uh, that was for uh, entertainment, and it listed the writer's names of the original graphic novel. And I thought that was oh. just a really nice touch. And there were probably oh, yeah. a lot of little things like that. Yeah, I, mit- I missed that. I yeah. didn't see that. Um, but yeah, I think that gets to what I think is kind of the core mm-hmm. issue with this movie that yeah. um, maybe people didn't like is the, I think the draw of, at least for me, the draw of this idea is mm-hmm. these huge large in life characters from literature interacting with each other. Mm-hmm. Like what would it be like if Tom Sawyer met Dorian right. Gray right. or met the invisible man? Like what would their yeah. interaction be? Yeah. And I, I found it, I found it lacking in that kind of thing. It was very plot driven. There wasn't, yep. I wish there were more character moments. There were a few where mm-hmm. they kind of had a nice little moment. Right. And that's where the film shines, I think. Yeah. And, but there's just so, few of them yeah like i want to we get we get a a nice little kind of mentor mentee relationship between uh alan quarterman played by um sean connery right and tom sawyer who i I forget the actor's name who plays him shane something shane Shane west West, yep um so that was nice but i wanted to see more thing i want um 
wanted to see, you know, the vampire Mina, I think is her name yes. in, in the, in the, yeah, I film. really wanted to see a lot more of yeah, that character. She, and, and her interactions with Dorian Gray were great because yep. they're both immortal yep. for different reasons. And, you know, they have their little fight scene yep. and she stabs him and he goes, we're going to be at this all, all day. day so right. like, <laughs> that was good, but I wanted more interaction between her and other characters Anyone and else. Yeah, yeah. I want more interact Dorian Gray and whoever else right. between, you know, Dr. Jekyll and stuff. Yeah. Um, and, there was, I wish there were more of, of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of like Mr. Hyde, that oh, side yeah. of him is in the movie way more than Dr. Jekyll. Is. Yes. Yes. And then Dr. Uh, Jekyll kind of comes off as kind of a weak, not just not, I don't mean character as in, as it's written, but like just a weak guy. And you think, I don't think a weak guy would, you can't be a weak person and deal with what that character is actually dealing with, with this yeah. split. And all of that tortured, yeah, so yes, weak. The, yeah, no. so the the character interactions were lacking. I think, yeah, the the kind of rapport that they might have, yeah, um, which is unfortunate. Um, it was broad strokes. It was a lot of broad strokes, y- y- yeah, with the characters, yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I I noticed throughout is the the film really does not trust its audience I to agree. follow it. at every yes. turn there was some kind of dialogue line that yes. explained exactly what was happening even though there were so many other right. contacts just to just to pick an example of which there are many yeah um the scene where uh Mina and Dorian Gray are fighting okay and so a little bit of context um for Dor- Dorian Gray as per the novel, the picture of Dorian Gray, mm-hmm. he has a painting of himself, right. and through magic, um, he has achieved immortality. The painting ages when he, but he stays the same, right? Unless, unless he ever looks upon his own painting, mm-hmm. then it will reverse. He will then right. all the all the years that his painting of age will then transfer to him, right. And his painting will be restored. So if he essentially, if he ever looks at his own self portrait painting, he will die, right. Um, that's how he has achieved immortality. So, and and Mina knows this. The vampire lady knows this. Yes. So they start fighting. There's a we see yep. the camera. The camera shows us this brown wrapped right. package thing. Right. Very clearly, we know that, and yes. it's covered up. Every other thing is visible. Every other picture or whatever is visible, except for this thing that's covered in brown paper. Right. And we've saw before that. At, back at Dorian's house, that one painting is missing. Yes. So, and if we know the Dorian Gray character f- from er, from our previous yep. kind of um, knowledge, just life, yeah, yeah. No, knowledge <laughs> yeah. of the original work, right? Um, then we know that that's what that is. Yes. And then I think Connery, Connery's character actually makes a remark about that. When yeah, we first exactly. Right. Anyway, so go ahead. So, um, so Mina, so the camera shows this. Then mm-hmm. the camera shows us. Mina looking, right. her, head, her head turns, <laughs> yep. and then it shows us the painting, that package again. Right. We know exactly what she's looking at. Mm-hmm. So we, being smart audience members, go, yeah. aha, that's the painting. Yes. And that's the only way she's going to be able to win this fight since they're both immortal. Right. We go, aha, she's going to try to yeah. get that painting and get him to look at it. And then we see it's either her inner monologue or she whispers it to her, 
whispers it to herself. She goes, the painting. Exactly. Like, <sighs> I know, I know. We know. Yes. <laughs> you, you've already shown us you don't need it. To right. So that kind of thing happens all the time. Like, yes. the film just does not trust its audience at all. Right. Um, to understand what's happening. Yeah, and it fell short on some of the setups too. I mean, for for instance, that's the first time we actually saw that Dorian Gray travels with this painting, which to me, that's one of my logic problems. Like, if you know that that's the only way you're going to die and you're going into this precarious adventure, why yeah. would you bring your own kryptonite? Right. <laughs> you know? So, right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that, that, that was the biggest thing, is mm. lacking for character interactions yeah. and... Um, just like the just at, at every possible turn, just mm. totally underestimating the intelligence yes. of the audience. That's yes. what brought me out of it more than yes. more than any anachronistic yeah. contrivance or anything. Yeah, was being like, "Ooh, I know what's going to happen," and then the character just saying just it. Says it like, right. um, so that was that. I can't ignore that. I can't ignore no. that when when talking about this. It's a real downfall. Um, but. Uh, a lot of other stuff, I think they did really well. Again, I mentioned the sets and everything, and the mm. costumes and all the practicality of it. Um, uh, I liked the. I, I think I mentioned the um, mentor relationship between Quartermain and Tom Sawyer. Yep. Um, there's a nice little setup and payoff with him teaching him how to how to shoot. Yeah. Um, how to how to shoot long distance rather than. Right, the American style of just blasting everything. Yes, and, <laughs> and that was fun. The jokes about the Americans, um, I found fun. So, so <laughs> yes, that's and that's a that was a nice setup and payoff <laughs> that was actually executed well. Yes, it was set up in the first act yep. of take your time, mm-hmm. you know, breathe. Yep, and and sh- shoot the rifle. Right, and then he fails the first time because he doesn't wait, and then when it matters, when the bad guy's escaping, he. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it, yeah. it's a classic setup and payoff, classic yes. callback. Yep, it um, was. executed well. Yep, um, you have a sacrifice of of the hero, you know, all of that. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and then um, I liked uh, calling back to the beginning. I liked the introduction to the villain, where we don't kind of see his face; mm-hmm. we just see his little skull mm-hmm. uh, cane thing. It reminded right. me very much of like. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen Inspector Gadget, the yeah. the first, the live action Inspector Gadget with Matthew Broderick. Long time ago. Uh, yeah. And the villain is Claw, but we never we never see his face. He's always in shadow and we just see his like, oh, yeah. claw hand. And that's just what I remember. I haven't right. seen it in a while either, but yeah. I got vibes. I like kind of movies that do that where the villain you never mm. see. When he's first introduced, he's just right. kind of uh, an imposing but shadowy yeah. figure, you know. Yeah, um, kind of keep that suspense going. So, I liked that. Um, See, and who's the actor that played that character? Um, the M, right? Yes. Who turns? I mean, spoilers. Right. Uh, turns out his name is actually Moriarty, which of right. course is the classic um, right. antagonist for Sherlock Holmes. Right. Um, who who doesn't make an appearance? Sherlock Holmes does not yeah. make an appearance in this movie. So, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. It's kind of. I guess it's a cool reveal that. Oh, this this right. villain. We've got all these other literary characters. It would make sense that the villain is also a famous yeah. villain from literature. Yeah, yeah. Um, from around that time period sure, as well. That makes sense. So it's yeah. Moriarty. But to just kind of reveal, mm-hmm. oh, my name, my M stands for Moriarty. 
Yeah. Like, okay, cool. And then yeah, that's yeah. that. And then Sherlock Holmes or Watson never appears nothing, or anything. Nothing. No references that I saw anyway, but that yeah. doesn't mean, because I haven't actually read a whole lot of the Sherlock Holmes stuff. I mean, you have to be quite well, well read, I think, to understand a lot of this film. That may be part of the problem. Yeah. And I haven't read mm-hmm. the Alan Moore book either, the, mm-hmm. the lead that, that this is based on. Right. So... I'm sure there's more story yeah. that had to just be cut for the yeah. film, as with any adaptation. Right. Um, and who knows? Maybe he does make an appearance. Right. I can't. I can't imagine Alan Moore deciding to put Moriarty in his in his book and not Sherlock yeah. Holmes. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't. Yeah, it'd be like a logic it, problem. Right. It'd be like putting. Yeah. It'd be like putting Joker in a movie and not having Batman. And not having <laughs> Batman. <laughs> yeah. Who would be Who would be crazy enough to do that? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, so, uh, go, uh, sorry, that was a tangent. Go go back to the uh, the. I do not know the actor who played. Oh right. Um, but well, I was just gonna say it was just a nice detail. These, I mean, it's not. And this is another one of those things. It's really important to appreciate the work that goes into these pieces collaboratively, even if the whole thing, you know, didn't quite work as as a complete unit one of the things i noticed about the actor who who did play m uh is that when he was under the mask with all the acid burn makeup and stuff on you never saw him blink it was as if that eye had been so damaged that he couldn't blink and those little touches those are the kinds of things where you go well that's that's some quality work right there that i'm looking at with this actor Mm -hmm. even if you know even if the whole wasn't maybe what we were hoping for yeah yeah all right, yeah, so um, I'm trying to think. I, I Of course, I wrote down some notes, and I forgot to bring them. Excellent. <laughs> uh, so I know I had some other stuff written down of, of things that I like liked and didn't like. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I do remember another thing that I kind of noticed was the, the action scenes and the action direction mm-hmm. um, was very kind of matrix-esque they were definitely going for a matrix feel mm. with the kind of mm-hmm. kung fu kind of style and sleek yeah. sleek kind of action and this movie came out in 2003 so obviously you know, right it's very very big. close yeah. to the matrix every every film after the matrix wanted to wanted be the to matrix yeah um but it was it was very clear i think the actors probably did not have a lot of time to prepare for at least yeah. the action scenes because there's a lot of quick cuts yep um so it's clear they just did one move and then cut away and yeah. then do it again so the the action doesn't quite flow together very right. kind of stilted um because it's clear that it's just sean connery yeah doing a th- doing his doing kind his of james thing. bond thing just throwing haymakers and <laughs> right um, doing the everything yeah. all the stuff he did in the james bond film when there were there was a fight it was you know punch him up just you know, yeah. standard like boxing, right? You know, throw a haymaker and then he's down and on to the next guy. Yep, yep. Um, uh, with the with the exception, I think of Nemo, and again, I really wish I had a, a list of the actors in front of me, but I don't. Um, oh, but uh, I can pull up. Yeah, let's do there I, the IMDb. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> the magic of the internet right. at our fingertips. So if you look at some of the choreography of his uh, combat scenes, particularly his, I think it's the first one. Um, but it doesn't matter. His work was uh, a lot more in-depth and a, a, a lot more skillful, I think, than a lot of the other. I also think, you know, when you talk about, when you get into Jekyll, the Jekyll and Hyde situation, you're talking about CGI, so, right. yeah. Uh, okay, so 
Captain Nemo is played by, and I'm going to butcher this name. Okay. Nasiruddin Shah. Right. N-A-S-E-E-R-U-D-D-I-N is how you spell the first name. Okay. And then Shah, S-H-A-H. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, I bet if we looked him up, we'd see more, some kind of, you know, more about him would probably include yeah. some combat experience, yeah, or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, Stage so combat, at least. The, the flip side of that is... Yeah. That you know it's the actual actors doing the action, right? Um, so if you if you can see their face, it's not a stunt double. That's and right. Every time Sean Connery is, excuse me, doing a doing a big punch, you mm-hmm. can clearly see it's it's Sean Connery. It's Sean Connery doing uh, a big punch. Yeah, yep. I'm sure there's a few scenes where they use the double, but yeah, for the most part. Um, so that's probably why they had to do these quick cuts. You can't mm-hmm. do a long extended wide mm-hmm. because the actor just isn't. Yeah, didn't didn't have enough time to prepare. Uh, didn't isn't in the best physical shape. Right, I to mean, just do yeah. that and get it right, you know, on camera. Yeah, Con- Connery um, in two thousand two, two thousand three was not twenty years old. So you right, know, <laughs> you gotta like work yeah. with him. So yeah, his uh, but his, I mean the other work, his other work yeah. in the film is great. Like yeah. just the regular talking scenes with oh, yeah. as Alan Quatermain was good. Yeah, I yeah. thought it would, he. I think he played this kind of older older British gentleman really well Very who's well, yep. who's you know disillusioned with yep. the empire and I, I i like the scene in his introduction in the beginning where he says something like he looks up at the mm-hmm. the british flag or something and he just goes rule britannia which <laughs> yes. very, he scornfully <laughs> says rule britannia which is yes uh you know that was a a common phrase at the time kind yeah. of a nationalistic yep thing yeah um and uh, rule Britannia did at that point. Mm-hmm. They had a huge empire. Yeah. So he did. I love. Yeah. yeah. He was. It was subdued. Mm-hmm. So it, it was there, but it wasn't his whole character. Of that's like, right. I I will never work for the empire again. Right. Because you know we've got a we've got need, we need the film to happen. So right. I mean, but, here yeah. you have Sean Connery, who's this world class actor, and he absolutely brought depth and dimension to a character that really was written kind of with broad strokes, like we were saying. Right. He was one who was successful at that. Yeah. And again, it could it could be different in the original source material, but mm-hmm. this is this is a film review show. Right, we're not uh, we're yeah. judging the film on its merits, not yeah. on how well it does or doesn't um, you know ad- adapt the work it's right. adapted from. Right. Um. So, but yeah, his work as as Alan Quartermain is mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've mentioned. Uh, a couple times already mm-hmm. the the relationship with tom sawyer is mm-hmm. is good nice mentor mentee mm-hmm. relationship uh i i liked i thought it was kind of cool i guess how tom sawyer is this kind of gun trigger happy yeah american classic shoot, cowboy shoot yeah. yeah and he's he's definitely not a cowboy in at least as far as i know in the, the in the mark twain stuff no um but that's a cool. That's, yeah, that's is, just art, artistic license, I right. guess. Right. This that's, is this is an imagining of Tom Sawyer all grown up yeah. and working for the Secret Service yes. all of a sudden. Yeah. I was very, I was very much reminded, and uh, probably intentionally mm-hmm. so, of mm-hmm. of Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Yes. Stuff. Yes. Um, and of course, I've I've watched the Netflix stuff, and I mm-hmm. haven't fully read all of the right the that graphic novel right again it's a comic book it's not a comic book it's a graphic, graphic novel. novel right uh, <laughs> and a very beloved one at yeah that, so even yes. though i believe it does take place in the dc universe but anyway uh, but uh yeah tangent again yeah but 
anyway, in the Sandman, mm-hmm. there's also some histor- or, uh, creative license taken with historical okay. characters, specifically Shakespeare. Okay. Um, so, like, the actual William Shakespeare shows up uh, oh, wow. okay. in, in the Sandman graphic novel. Yes. And in the and in the Netflix series, okay, um, is the main the main character yeah. whose name is Dream, or yes. or he has several names, Dream of the Endless, whatever. Yeah, uh, <laughs> what, uh, yeah, Morpheus, I think. Um, I don't, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so there's like a side side plot where he, um, like talks he meets he talks to William Shakespeare and like mm-hmm. gives him inspiration and stuff, so. And I, I have to imagine that <laughs> Neil Gaiman had had read yes. had read yeah. just Al, uh, lots of Alan Moore stuff probably sure yeah and you know take incorporating historical or uh, literary characters into your fiction and taking kind of creative license with them yep so I was just reminded of that right um, with you know these kind of what ifs like what if what if yeah. Tom Sawyer was a cowboy what yeah if, what if what if you know, what if yeah the the I think one of the challenges with this film is that every one of those what ifs could have been its own movie. You know, Mm -hmm. each one of those characters had clearly already had a huge story behind them when they arrived at the beginning of the film that, you know, we weren't super aware of, but each of them arriving to at this moment in the film, there's a story there as well. So, uh, what her, her name is Pita. I mispronounce it. Pita who played Mira. Uh, let me, here, cast Peter Wilson. Peter Wilson, thank you. She was another one who I thought had an outstanding performance, and she made an awful lot out of a really kind of a an abbreviated part. I thought, and that was yeah. nice to see as well, because you knew yeah. there was a lot going on under yeah. there that and we then, never yeah. found out about. And she also mentioned she has one line where she mentions like my my husband and a man, and a doctor named Van Helsing fought right, this yes. guy named Dracula. <laughs> that I'm was like, fun. Yes. I know that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> And then that, and then it made me want to go watch the Van Helsing movie exactly. with Hugh Jackman. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I think to kind of yep. wrap up my thoughts on this, unless you had some other things to. No, talk I think about. we pretty much covered he, it. So, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, one of the, I believe one of the reviews said a, a great premise, poorly executed. Yeah. And I would say that's more or less true. Yeah. I think it is a great premise with a lot of potential, mm-hmm. and I think it tried to maybe do a lot of things and ended up not doing any of them particularly yeah. well as far as like a story perspective. Exactly. Like the, the vibe was great. I think it really achieved the tone and vibe mm-hmm. it was going for that kind of steampunk mm-hmm. Victorian era, which is so cool just as a, yeah. just as a genre or a vibe. Yeah. Steampunk is. is, is great. And I wish there yeah. were more stuff set in that era. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, the, Unfortunately, the the character interactions, which is what I was there for, mm-hmm, was too. lacking, and then it just doesn't, it just doesn't respect its audience. I think, yeah, it just yeah, the, an expository dialogue line, and mm-hmm. a lot of it actually seemed added in post. Like a lot of the lines, you never actually see their mouth moving. Yes. It's always when they're turned away from the camera, you yes. hear them say it. So it's like, Why was that we... added later? Yeah. Do you really, do you really not trust your audience that much that you? had to go in after the fact and yeah. made sure you added in a line that you knew crystal clear. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's like, you, you already did a good job. You already did a good job with the show. Not tell. Yeah. You already gave enough context clues visually mm-hmm. for me to understand 
but then you had to add a line and it's like oh gosh well, yeah I mean, so it was, you really know, unfortunate there yeah um, it was it was it was a screenplay that was hung on you know hung on top of a lot of really awesome special effects and artistic work mm-hmm. visual artistic work but the screenplay itself i think yeah it just it was lacking in depth it was lacking in dimension and if they had had either more time or I don't know what it would have, we don't, I, we don't know what went into those decisions then that I think would have really benefited the film overall. Yeah. So yeah, real, uh, real, uh, real unfortunate. I think just yeah. a real bummer that the concept could not have been yeah. fully explored. Yeah. And I know they, if you know, if this would have done better, they would have made right. ten, 10 sequels. <laughs> right. But I tell you what, if you have a 12 year old son at home, uh, or a 12-year-old tomboy at home, uh, this is still a worthy movie to just throw on the TV if you need to, like, get them to sit down and pay attention to some kind of action flick where yeah. you do whatever you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a great way to get introduce them to Dorian <laughs> Literature. Gray. Literature, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Which would be pretty dry for a, yes. for a young kid. Yes, absolutely. You, don't want, you want them to read the picture of Dorian Gray, but they won't read it. Have them watch this first. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then they can be even more disappointed when yeah. the, when the book is not that. <laughs> um, All right. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think that about wraps it up. I agree. So um, I think we'll we'll call that a cut. All right. We'll call that a wrap. Call that a wrap. All right. Bye bye. Bye.